Good morning. This is uh, not Duncan Strauss. This is Beverly, and I'm filling in for Duncan this morning. We've got a very exciting show with two beekeepers, and we're going to be talking about beekeeping, pollination, a little plant biology, a little bit about how you, as a resident of the animal world, can make things better for bees. Uh, We'll be talking about uh, starting your own apiary and USF's beekeeping program. We're going to pretty much stay away from honey production for our our vegan listeners we're not really that interested in talking about uh honey but that'll that'll we'll touch on that a bit but uh first of all i wanted to let you know very important that next week is wmnf's fall fun drive it actually starts a week from today on october 4th and docking animals is one of the first shows to be asking for your support duncan has a giant goal of $3,000. If you're at all possible, if you're possible, if you can possibly make an advance pledge to Talking Animals, it would greatly help take some stress off Duncan, make next week's uh, fundraising drive easier. And all you need to do is go to WMNF.org, go to the tip jar. You can do that right now. The show code is TLA. Or you can log on to TalkingAnimals.net and see the huge amount of uh, great thank you gifts Duncan has to offer for supporting Talking Animals. Those include great tickets to see Aerosmith and the Black Crows. These seats are not available except through resale on the Emily or Ticketmaster website. So you can skip the middleman if you want to go see... <laughs> Aerosmith and the Black Crows on October 11th. Skip the middleman and pledge for those tickets on Talking Animals. There are also, um, excuse me, there's a best-selling book available by Maria Bramford. We're going to hear from her a little bit later, but she, Duncan will have three copies of her book. I'll join your cult. (laughs) Sure, I'll join your cult her uh, new best-selling book, and as well as Talking Animals t-shirts, lots of animal swags, (laughs) animal swag. We'll be talking a bit more about that towards the end of the show. One thing we're not doing today is taking phone calls, but you can definitely text or email the studio. You can email at dj at wmnf.org, and you can text at 813- Four three three zero eight eight five. If you have questions for our beekeepers, questions about pollination and how, if you'd like to know how you can help uh, preserve the world for our pollinators, which we cannot live without, 
you're welcome to uh, send us a text or an email. Right now, we're going to hear from Jonathan Richmond to just to get us a little bit ready for our conversation with Angela Rodriguez and Nancy Bird. Don't scare me so Don't land on me, baby, and bite me, no Hey there, little insect, please calm down So we can have fun and fool around Hey there, little praying mantis, I've won complaint each time on my arm, Ulantis makes me faint. Hey there, little insect, sect, please calm down. So we can have fun and fool around. Look here, I don't want to worry now, Mr. Insect. I don't want to fight. I don't. I don't, I don't want to worry about a potential insect bite And I don't want to worry, so please calm down That we can have fun in fool a ride Sounds like a warning and it's scaring me. Hey there, little insect, please calm down so we can have fun and fool around. Now I do not want to worry, insect. Potential insect bite. I don't. No way. Now I don't want to worry. So please calm down. So we can have fun and fool around. Good morning. I am joined in the studio with Angela Rodriguez and Nancy Bird. And if you don't mind, uh, give yourselves a quick introduction. I will say that I've been friends with Nancy Bird for probably close to 20 years, 15 years or more. And uh, she is the owner of New World Brewery. And that's one of the uh, things that excites me to talk about our Topic today is we've got an actual practicing beekeeper in the house and a beekeeping educator, and we've got so many extraordinary things to talk about today. So, uh, Nancy, uh, your mic's on. Thank you. Uh, good morning, Beverly, and good morning, everyone. I'm Nancy Bird, and my husband and I, Steve, as Beverly mentioned, own New World Brewery, and we have uh, three beehives there at New World. They're actually across the street, so they're a little ways from New World Brewery, but we love to have those pollinators fly around, and I, I'm the gardener at New World, and we have 
many, many beautiful flowers and and uh, flowering plants that produce uh, vegetables. And we, we, we grow lots of herbs for New World there. And we're so thrilled to have the pollinators there at New right. World. And uh, we were talking about your gardening adventures uh, and trying to produce... Um, you have your garden produce and exactly. you didn't we have had, pollinators. I had I was trying hard to grow okra. The okra were popping right up out of the earth boxes and uh, flowering beautifully, but then no fruit. And so I would go around with a Q-tip and pollinate the the flowers myself because I just had no pollinators. And we're in and we're located in the uh, Sulphur Springs area in, here in Tampa, and uh, I was like. Where are the pollinators? So I, um, once I was retiring from nursing, I decided, let me try uh, to learn about bees. And I was very frightened of bees at first, but um, the exposure at USF uh, teaches you really well to learn how to keep bees. And that leads us into uh, our conversation, our, our queen bee here, Angela. Uh, <laughs> um, is that how you met Angela? It was through the beekeeping, exactly. beekeeping course? And she lives in the near neighborhood, neighborhood. too, in Seminole Heights and and was always coming over. I'm like, Angela, what is wrong with these bees? I'm not <laughs> sure I'm doing the right thing. Come and help me look at these bees. <laughs> so, Angela, would you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. Good morning, everybody. My name is Angela Rodriguez-Diaz. I was born and raised in Puerto Rico. After some years in the military, we swarmed and landed here in Tampa. <laughs> so um, beekeepers are, are beneficial. Um, bees and all kinds of pollinators are beneficial. So one thing goes with gardening. Growing your food is also therapy. And and everything goes together. If you care about the garden, you care about the foods you eat, you care about the neighborhood, it all seems to go together. So it's a good way to connect with people. That's how I met all mm-hmm. these wonderful people that we talk to and work together. So happy to be here. Welcome to WMNF. Welcome back to WMNF. Angela was a guest on Sustainable Living in June of June 6th of 22. So it's been a little while. So we're happy to have you back and uh, talk about pollination. If you would expand a little bit on exactly why uh, bees and pollinators, you know, most people might remember back to their biology classes, but tell us a little bit with your uh, expertise, what the pollinators do and why we can't, we literally cannot live without them. Absolutely. We talk about bees, but basically pollinators are all the different animals that go collecting nectar from flower to flower, collecting pollen so they can support their own colonies. So pollinators can be uh, wasps, ants, bats, butterflies, many other animals sometimes we can't even think about, but they all do their own pollination um, in one way or the other. The only one that actually gets all the attention is honeybees because mm-hmm. they produce honey. And actually here in Florida is a big income. They, I don't know how much money comes uh, through the honey sales and all the honey pollination services and so on. So, but just because they get our attention doesn't mean the native bees and all the other pollinators, they're not important. I mean, right. birds and all the other animals are doing a great job also, and they all need our help because what they do is collecting food. But by doing so, they go from one flower to the other, and the pollen 
it's dropped into another flower and that's how they pollinate. Mm-hmm. They reproduce and that's how they create all the different fruits that we enjoy. So without the pollination, we wouldn't have many of the fruits and, and vegetables that we eat nowadays. Right. And Nancy, have you noticed the things have improved in your gardening since you've started keeping oh, the bees? it really has improved. Yeah. And yeah. Just, just the amount of fruits coming off of the flowers and different things that I'm growing, it's just amazing. It's amazing. And Very we have cool. three hives. Okay, three hives. Well, we're going to talk a bit more about hives and the USF beekeeping program. But again, we're going to get back into uh, the general idea of pollinators and the types of bees that we have in the area. And Angela was gracious enough to give me a, a little, a little, probably a very small amount of the uh, native pollinators. Do you have an idea of uh, the number of pollinators, uh, insect-wise, insect pollinators that we have in Florida or in well, the area? Pollinators, we have so many because any bird, any animal that touches the flower yeah. and goes to the other one, it could even be a snake. Anything uh-huh. that touches a flower and goes to the next one can pollinate. Um, we are talking about the common pollinator, butterflies, um, hummingbird, native bees. We have over 200 honey, I mean, native bees that are native to Florida and more than 40 or 4,000 in all United States native to the North America. So native bees are, are basically something you can find behind your house, anywhere around your house, but we just don't see them because most of the time we destroy their habitats. Mm-hmm. So they come in all sizes and colors, and then they're just beautiful. And if you look at them, if you yeah. pay attention, you'll find them sometimes. Um, you talked a little bit or on your cheat sheet you handed me about the bumblebee. I think that might be one of the most eye-catching of the uh, in the bee family because they're gigantic, but I also think... I just sort of learned that they're a solitary bee. The big bumblebees don't live in a giant hive or a nest with other bees. Is that correct? That's correct. Actually, Florida has about three different uh, species of bumblebees. They all basically nest underground. Okay. They look, when they fly by, you hear them, and the buzz is like a big buzz, like a school buzz, <laughs> because they're so big. Some of the pollination they do sometimes is by buzzing. The vibration is oh. what gets the nectar moving and gets the pollen off the plant. Um, they nest underground. So those are some of the few that they produce a little bit of honey for the offspring, but it's not enough. For you, for you to collect any right, honey. Right. So they are the only one that can produce some honey for the babies, but it's not enough. And they have different colors. One is like completely yellow. One other one has stripes and the other one is like black and yellowish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so those are the native bumblebees to Florida. But there's many other species all over the United States and the, and the continent also. So you mentioned honey production. Do all types of these bee pollinators, do they all produce some sort of Honey or something like that, or is it pretty? No, according to the studies, the bumblebee produces a little bit just to feed the babies, right. but it's not even enough for mm-hmm. all the babies, mm-hmm. so it's never enough to, for uh, us to collect. Okay. And because they don't lose a stinger when they sting you, not uh. many people want to keep those bumblebees. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so that, that's a different thing. Right. So they're not easy to maintain in colonies because they, mm-hmm. they only have like a small family. It's just mm-hmm. the small colonies, and they basically create new queens for the next year. So once that colony dies, the new queens go into hibernation during winter and come back during the spring. 
So those are the only ones that produce maybe some native bees in Central America, but that's okay. the only ones that I know so far. So in general, for people that might be new to the idea of honey and what, what do bees produce the honey for? What is the actual, that's it, their food, but is that, that's what they get from gathering the pollen and what, how, how, what's, I guess that would lead me into the life cycle of the, the individual bee, or the creature. Yes, that's basically the food. They collect the nectar from the flowers to mm-hmm. make the honey. The honey is what they eat every day. They mix the pollen with the nectar and make bee bread. That's the food that is ready to eat for the babies. That's mm-hmm. what they feed the queen and all the babies and all the sisters and brothers. Um, but they store the honey as a, as a surplus, but it's for the winter. Although okay. we don't have a very cold winter mm-hmm. here, but anything below 90 is cold for the bees. Ah. They keep about a 95 degrees um, inside the colony. So if it's too hot, they fan the wings to get, bring air into uh-huh. the hive. They collect water to have like an air conditioning air condition. system. And when it gets cold, they actually eat more honey. So the sugar is the energy they have to vibrate and keep a big cluster and keep them warm. So the, the nectar becomes their food. And because they produce so much of it, if it's a healthy colony mm-hmm. and all the things, right, uh, location matters. But... Basically, the nectar becomes their food, and the pollen becomes the proteins they eat. So that's basically, they're just looking for food. They don't really care about us. Right. (laughs) Yeah, and I I wanted you to to, uh, elaborate on that because there's, I I think, some misinformation or very um, dramatized information out there about, you know, murder hornets and killer bees and and things like that. And um, sure, nobody wants to get stung by a bee, and if you have... A particular sensitivity to us, Nurse Nancy might be able to address that. But in general, they're just part of the environment and something we need to respect, but also uh, allow to thrive and, and do what they do best, which is uh, pollinate plants. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You're talking about respect. Like any other animal, like people, if you respect them, they don't bother you mm-hmm. unless you bother them. So they only use it to defend themselves. So there's no reason to be afraid of them, but yes, let them be in their habitat and uh, respect them. Now, we were going to talk a little bit about uh, bee habitats and what you can do as a homeowner if you have property. Even, I would guess, if you have a a patio or terrace that you could do something. I think everybody can do something to help the pollinators. We're not talking about, you know, having a beehive of your very own, but what can... uh, people do, people that are listening that might want to help, help the pollinators out? What what would be a good uh, yeah, choice? Actually, from the experts, they said, um, if you want to help the bees and native bees, don't become a beekeeper. Plant <laughs> that, more that, flowers. Yeah, yeah. Yes, plant more trees, plant more natives. That's how you help them. Yeah, you, you can become a beekeeper and there's so many places you can get help and education mm-hmm. and friends that can support you. Yes, um, but all the pollinators, all of them need food is plants, um, flowers, trees. So something you can do in your garden, having like an undisturbed area where the native bees can nest on the ground. They can nest inside the logs, drill the holes and and have their babies in there undisturbed. That's all you can do. Mm. You can do a small section. It doesn't have to be the main yard. And I I picked up something listening to you uh, when you were guest on Sustainable Living about what Nancy probably knows what I'm talking about. The dirt daubers, the bees that or the bees that build the little concrete they, concrete they bunkers. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
But uh, for everybody that has a piece of property or maybe even a, a, a boat or, or plant right, or outside. An RV. An RV. <laughs> they <love> RVs. Right. <laughs> uh, that they're going to build a, a little nest in the the thing that's not moving around, I guess, would be the only, maybe the only qualification. If it's sitting still long enough, they might It actually build. looked like somebody took some mud right. and threw it at you because <laughs> it's like a splatter on yeah, the wall. Yeah, right, right. That's what it looks like. Um, but that's where they lay the eggs. In a few months, the babies will come out, and it's basically just one cycle. Sometimes they don't return okay. to the same place. Okay, And what are the proper names? Because like I said, I know Nancy will know what a dirt dauber is, but what's their proper? That's one of the common names. Okay. I common think it's, it's, it's one of the wasp uh, species. Okay. there's so many of them. Okay. And I think the, that's the one with the black and yellow, the white stripes, really nice and slim uh, waist. They're yeah, really kind, kind of cute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, talk, let's talk a little bit more about bee habitats and what uh, an individual can do because I picked up uh, the bees need a resting spot. Um, the pollinators, the bees, the uh, wasp might need a spot to take a, a break from their activities. And Nancy's talked a little bit about her fountain at oh. New World, so we're going to... Yeah, get we into have that. A, a beautiful little fountain uh, with running water um, falling and it has raised areas. It's like... Um, a um, pot metal surface, so it has little turtles on the surface and the water runs by, so the surface is higher so the bees can stand on that surface. And so if you look close at the bottom rung on that fountain, the last count was 11 bees just lined up side by side, Mm -hmm. just stopping, taking a drink and just where they have a place to land Mm -hmm. because they cannot land on water because they will drown. So right, it's cute I, to see them, and when they're out like that, they're they're out foraging. They're not aggressive. They're, you know, I, I never feel like I'm going to get stung. They they're just flying around doing their business. And right, yeah. I mean, um, I guess some people might panic, and maybe they have a good reason to panic. But if you're not actually disturbing their their home or something they need to protect their little ones, then uh, you're okay. They're okay. You're okay. So talk a little bit about, uh, I did not realize that bees needed to drink water. I thought they might've just picked it up like some animals do by their, whatever they consume uh, their normal food would be. Um, as far as honeybees, they use the water to cool their hives, use their wings to fan and, and, and circulate. The, it's like an air conditioning. So they need this. I'm sure in some small amounts, all pollinators need it. So it's good to have some kind of water system for the bees or pollinators. Let's talk about birds and everybody. But bees often go to people's pools looking for water. So one way you can help them and help all the pollinators having like a small bird bath, Mm -hmm. put a few rocks in it so the bees can stand on, but then you'll be helping other animals coming in and getting water from it. Butterflies need water, hummingbirds, Mm -hmm. so all of them, and that avoids bees from going into the pool. So just having like a small water um, bath in in your garden, anywhere, replace the water every so often because we don't want to grow any mosquitoes. Right, right. We we know how bad that can be, Um, but they all need water, yeah. Small amounts. So, if you had a, a shallow bird bath or some type of um, water vessel outside, maybe they'll stay out of your pool. Is that a possibility? If they're going to choose the safer route to go, yeah, because once the the, the hive comes near your house, they're going to send scouts looking for water. So, if the first water to find is your pool, they're going to keep coming back to it. So, the way I do to trick the bees to come back to my water bowl 
and put a few drops of honey on the outside. Ah. So they are attracted by the sugar water or the honey, and then they keep coming back for the water. But yeah, sometimes you got to trick them into doing that because <laughs> the, when the hive moves in, and we're talking, we're not talking about moving a hive. Maybe it's a swarm that just moved mm-hmm. into next door. So they're gonna send the scouts looking for water. So you you can trick your bees or anybody's bees into mm-hmm. coming to the bowl with some sugar water near. That's how I trick my yeah. bees. So I hope it works <laughs> for everybody else. Now that's fantastic. We've got a caller, but we're not taking calls today. You can text us at eight one three. Four three three zero eight eight five or email DJ at WMNF if you have a question or comment. Um, I wanted to. I guess it's about time to start talking about the honeybees and how they've the um, not the importance necessarily, but how that became part of the U.S. Uh, culture. What's the history behind where honeybees came from? And of course, they're important, but. Um, I know they came with the um, European colonizers maybe in the 1600s. Um, I think they established the first hive, the colonies maybe in Virginia. I have to double check that information. But it's been here in the Americas for over 200 years. Okay. It's kind of naturalized. They're not native to the, to the continent, but they have been, we use the word naturalized. They have been doing a good job. And as far as the study goes, they don't really compete with the native. They all go to different flowers. And there's a misconception about the honeybees destroying the native habitat. If you listen and you read some of the studies, they actually tell you how different bees go to different flowers. It depends on the length of the flower also. So they're having enough native bees provides food for all the different kinds of bees out there. So the bees have been naturalized and they spread all over the continent, as far as we know, over 200 years by now. Okay, so we talk about honeybees, which you can keep in a bee box, an apiary, but they've also become part of the natural environment. Right, yeah, Yeah, I'm sure. When they had those first hives that came (laughs) in, and I don't know, Mayflower, whatever (laughs) boat you call it, um, eventually they spread. They normally swarm every year because this is how they reproduce. So I'm sure from the first two colonies, they ended up having four, maybe two of them escaped. And that's how they keep reproducing and expanded all over the United States. And then all the South America, some of them came from Africa directly. So there's Mm -hmm. Africanized bees in South Central and some in South United States also. Very cool. Well, again, our guests are Nancy Bird, uh, beekeeping, new beekeeper. How long have you... don't we need to just over a year? Over we've a had year, bees, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, yeah, and they're staying healthy, and it does it does take some input from the beekeeper to help them stay healthy, and um, and just you know because you're growing a colony that's you know you're hoping to in- encourage. Um, that nature and that pollination, you know, to grow. I will share a funny story about that. Okay. I went over to Home Depot, which is very close to New World, less than a mile away. And I'm thinking, I'm looking at the flowers. I'm like, oh, can I pick out some flowers that the the bees will love? You know, how? Uh, l- let me just, oh, look at those flowers. They're covered with bees. And then I looked closely at the bees. I'm like, wait, those are my bees over at Home Depot, <laughs> checking out the flowers. <laughs> Did they have their little New World Brewery and yeah, Sydney on no, no, I'm but, joking. But I was surprised. Yeah. I was like, oh, wait, those could be my bees. <laughs> right. You want to tell them why? 
Yeah, how oh, did you bees, know? Bees usually sure. travel um, somewhere about two and a half miles to three miles from their hives to find what they're looking for, what whatever you know, sustenance they're looking for, and the the right combinations of pollens and that it's funny too when you see the pollen in the hive it can be very in color so much when you pull out a frame and you look at it it can be yellow or green or tan or and so you can just see how they have been at different flowers and yeah. how different the colors can be it's really cool so that's the uh the stuff that gathers on their their legs and exactly. uh, they take that back little to the pollen hive. pants little they come back <laughs> with <laughs> some of them they they even jump in, depends on the flower, how the mm. pollen is, because you have different uh, varieties of flowers. Some bees actually go in and they get the pollen on their legs, on the uh, on the abdomen, oh. the face. All of them, you see the face full of pollen also. <laughs> and it's funny that you mentioned that about the bees going different places. So one day I'm getting gas, some gas station is not even a mile from my house, and I see somebody spill some kind of drink or something. I see bees all over yeah. it, and I'm looking, I'm like, those are my bees. Like, hey, you better... Go home. That's not good yeah, for you. Yeah, right. Like, hey, you know better than that. Let's just, just don't go there. I, I fructose. It could be somebody else's bee, but because it was so close to yeah, home, I'm thinking, yeah. it could be my, my bees. bees. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's sort of fascinating that you've gotten a personal investment in something that people don't normally think of as being cuddly and, and endearing. But um, absolutely, I can see, that, see it, the look in your eyes, how passionate you are about it. And it's just, this is great. Um, Angela, if... Um, again, our guests are Angela Rodriguez-Diaz and Nancy Bird with New World Brewery. And Angela, just briefly talk about what the uh, USF Beekeeping and the Botan- Botanical Garden, uh, what they have to offer the public. And uh, I, 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 that's probably a, a really big question. Well, like I said, this is a lot of work in progress. Um after a few um, years working with them as a volunteer, they have a um, beekeeping class. It's a one day a month for 12 months. Um, the next one is going to be in November. Okay. Uh, we're still going to fine tune. So the link is not open to registration yet because we still find, need to fine tune uh, the dates and the hours and the prices okay. and some things. Uh, but it gives you the basic. We take you to the garden. We show you the bees. We give you the lecture. And you get hands-on training. You can practice with them. And this is not limited to the beekeeping class at the USF because we always encourage the students to get together with the other one, maybe reach out to one of us and many of the other mentors and previous uh, instructors. Everybody's willing to help. So some of them can come to you or, or talk to you on the phone or send you messages to help you. But they give you the very basic, and they have a nice garden, and they also encourage the um, people to visit the garden and see all the new habitats for pollinators. They're working on the new um, meadows and more plants. So it's a great place for the bees and also to know about the gardens and pollinators. Fantastic. If you haven't visited the botanical gardens at USF, just taking a walk through is just amazing. And I know... I have a little bit of information. The USF uh, Botanical Garden plant sale is taking place on October 14th and 15th. And would that be a good time to uh, sort of test the waters to see if what you're, uh, what, how far your interest wants to go in beekeeping and maybe gather some more information at the actual facility? 
um, on the 14th, uh, the, in two weeks from now in October. Yeah, they do. We do have a bee booth. So we're going to have live bees in a box, what we call observation high. So we're going to answer questions. People get to see the bees, what a, lo- what a colony looks like on the inside. We're going to have information about the new class. And then there's going to be so many vendors you can go and visit. And there's, of course, going to be like Native Plants Society and all the people that sell good plants for your bees. And, of course, all the good education from all these experts. And you can always reach out to Mr. Um, Craig Kugel, the manager at the Botanical Garden. He can help you with uh, all the garden for pollinators and a lot of other good information out there. It's too much to talk right now because I can't even remember right. all the stuff he gets. And I'd like to mention Craig Hugel uh, is a morning show, an early morning show host on WMNF. And I probably, I venture to guess he'd be really happy to answer a question or two about his work at the Botanical Gardens, uh, even when he's on the air between, uh, between his other tasks to do. So shout out to Craig Hugel. Uh, shout out to Sean Canan and the other uh People that are WMNF that are really invested in uh, our natural world. And again, WMNF will be having their fall fun drive. It starts next Wednesday. Duncan is looking for pre pledges, pledges you can make today on WMNF.org. You can hit the tip jar. He's, um, somebody has issued a challenge. If you've never pledged to WMNF before, if you've never pledged on Talking Animals, a $50 pledge will be matched. So this is your opportunity to be one of the first people to uh, to jump on that board and uh, double double the money for Duncan. And we'll be talking a little bit more about that before the show wraps up. I had a question uh, that came in from a personal friend of mine. She was asking about orchid bees. Is that, um, is that a bee that just likes orchids or is there a particular type of bee? sure where the name okay. comes from. I don't think it's native. That that okay. one is more like native to Ecuador, Central America. It's a beautiful metallic green. It, you can't even take a picture of them because they fly so fast. Okay. Like here, they're just, um, they do a great job. They look so beautiful, but they're not native to okay. the uh, North America. I think it's from Central America, but it's one of those that has been traveling here and there, kind of naturalized. We love them. We mm-hmm. like them the same way. And they need our help, just like all the other ones. So, are, are they are they a solitary? Yes, they uh, do. Solitary. It has. Been, I haven't seen the study yet because they wanted to learn about their cycle. Well, because they're not native here. Mm-hmm. I guess we need to contact the people in Ecuador. They might have a study and know exactly uh-huh. their cycle, so we can better help them. Um, well, so. something that small that's not easy to spot, even when you standing right there to see it how do you find out what his home life is like right right and that's the problem with all the many of the native bees because you can't find the whole the mm-hmm. minor mm-hmm. bees the ones that drill holes in the wood i mean it's so hard to find them so sometimes we can't really help them because we we don't know where they are and it might be simple things that when you clean the garden we, mm-hmm. you're taking all the trash out all the debris you might be destroying many habitats mm-hmm. not knowing it so that's the reason why we don't see them yeah, I'd like to circle back around to the um, idea that maybe if in your yard you could keep a little patch of ground undisturbed um, in the corner or wherever it works best for you so that the underground bees and the, uh, the non-beehive bees will have a place to, uh, to go. And we have a couple of pictures of what to do in the garden. Uh, I don't know if we can post them to Facebook. Yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check into that um, when we're off here. 
attach them to an email. Everybody, anybody has a question. So we have what they call the native bee houses. It's something mm-hmm. you can buy or you can make yourself. As long as it's more than six inches deep, because some of the bees need more space. Okay. So you have sweat bees, you have the leaf cutter bees. Some of them, they just need a long tunnel to have the babies. You can have section when you leave a few logs and debris and some of the leaves for them to just dig and drill or do whatever they need to do. Just It could be a section of your garden, maybe like two feet by two feet, undisturbed. Just mm-hmm. leave it alone. We'll try to uh, link all this information. We have some of those um, native habitats and some of the plants. We also have some native plants and native bees so people have an idea what to look for. So. Don't be afraid of them. <laughs> and another question, if you have a beehive that needs to be removed, I got a, a question from a great WMNF support. I'm going to swing back around to that question. Um, a dear friend of WMNF, Danny Throw, asks, he has a dead tree with an active hive that's 15 feet above ground, and he's, uh, I guess, checked with some bee bee folks that say it's too high f- high for them to retrieve the queen and the tree has to come down because it's dead. So is there any suggestion that you could have or direction, somebody he might be able to talk to, to maybe preserve uh, what he can of the, the bees that are in his tree? Correct. I mean, for many people, it's too high for them to go there. It's mm-hmm. dangerous. So it's a job like everybody else. Um, we have to have special equipment. It takes some time mm-hmm. and knowledge how to do all this. Some beekeepers can work some tree services. Some tree services allow the beekeeper to come and use their time. But this is something that we need, we require a fee to take care oh, of sure. all these needs. So some of the tree services, you can talk to them and say, hey, do you work with a beekeeper? Okay. And some of them, I personally do work with a couple of tree services when they have these problems. We work together. So we're able to seal those bees in that log and they can cut it when it's safe for the tree services. There's a few other ways to do it. But yeah, talk to the tree services and let them know. Um, maybe they can contact a beekeeper and work with them. Okay, so like a group effort to, to save, yeah, save the Yeah, absolutely. We try to save them as much as we can. Well, thank thank you very much, Danny, for that question. And here's one other. Um, I have a vine at my house that has pink flowers. It attracts all kinds of honeybees and hummingbirds. I don't pull <laughs> pull pull it down until the flowers are done blooming. So... Is that sort of a, a good um, way to advise people? If, you, if there's a plant that you might need to trim back or cut back, try to leave the flowers alone until they their natural uh, flower cycle is over. Yeah, basically that's what we tell people that, yeah, if you need to trim and prune them after the flower, mm-hmm. after the blooming, um, yeah, because in order to produce more flowers, eventually you're going to have to trim it mm-hmm. or prune it. So, yes, if you can help, if you don't have to, let them be, let them use it. They all need the uh, nectar. Well, I've got a little audio clip. I want An- Angela to introduce this. <laughs> it, I, we're just going to play a few seconds of this, but it's fascinating to me. It's an audio clip of a queen bee piping, and I want Angela to introduce what we're about to hear and uh, give us a little bit of a uh, Intrigue the listeners with this this bit of uh, audio. 
I think one of the reasons how I got into beekeeping is because it's so fascinating. Mm -hmm. And the more you learn, the more it fascinates you. Um, So bees do not communicate with sounds because they do not hear each other. What they do, they, they feel vibration. They can communicate with smells. One of the things is when the colony has to requeen themselves, they grow maybe 10, 15, five colony, I mean, five queens. They need to raise new queens so they can pick the best one, the strongest one for the colony. So what they do, they start to make this vibration to find out where the other queens are. This is about the time when they're ready to emerge. So they want to know where the other competitors are. And they start making this sound. We hear the sound, but they basically communicate is by the vibration. So they feel the vibration and they can say, okay, you are here on the little side, this side, you're on the north side, da, da, da. So I can find you. But basically, the reason why they do that is to destroy them. So the first one that comes out is going to go and destroy. It's like, okay, thank you for telling me where you are so I can go and destroy you. So the first one goes out and kill them. But it's called piping. We hear them, but they basically feel the vibration. They don't hear the noise, but we hear it. And I think it's kind of cool. We're going to hear a little bit of bee piping. Maybe the first time WMNF has ever played bee piping right here on Talking Animals. You're tuned to 88.5 WMNF. My name is Beverly. I'm sitting in for Duncan Strauss. And here is a queen bee piping. So, Angela, what in the world? How how is the queen bee making that sound? I mean, is there is there a way to actually know where what generates? They don't have vocal cords, I'm guessing, but I'm guessing is vibrating. Yeah, okay, moving. it's it's like a high pitched sound, um, but that's how they communicate to find okay. the other one. And it's funny because it's so cool to hear it, but then what you know what's about to happen. <laughs> Bee drama. <laughs> well, bee life right. can be tough because yeah. when you talk about the queens killing the other ones, the competitors, and then when you talk about during fall, the drones, which is the male bees, they're not needed in the colony. So they start to pull them out and let them die. Basically, they evict them. So there's a lot of drama and not so nice things happening in the colony. But that's how they keep, they have a purpose for all this. So they have can go on with one queen, one strong queen comes mm-hmm. out, the strongest one come out, so that one strong queen can keep the hive going and so on. Then they produce drones next spring. So, yeah, there's a lot of drama in queen life too. And that was a honeybee hive that we were listening to, an audio from a honeybee hive. Well, thank you, ladies, so much. Uh, Nancy Bird, New World Brewery, we look forward to uh, seeing a show there soon. And uh, Angela Rodriguez-Diaz, thank you so much for your expertise. You guys are going to hang out for a few minutes. I'm going to uh, play a little bit of music. Nancy brought us something wonderful from Taj Mahal. We'll make sure we haven't missed anything important. And uh, we'll be back with some announcements and some more Interesting things that are going on in the uh, the Tampa Bay area. You're tuned to WMNF. I'm looking for Taj Mahal. I know I had him put in here. Come back. Anyway, let's uh, let's listen, <laughs> listen to uh, this song right now. I'll find Taj Mahal in a moment.
summer of love They were burning babies, burning flags The hawks against the doves I took a job in the steaming Down on Cardrum Street And I fell in love with a laundry girl Who was working next to me Well, she was a rare thing Fine as a bee's wing So fine a breath of wind might blow her away She was a lost child Well, she was running wild She said, as long as there's no price on love, I'll stay And you wouldn't want me any other way cover was how people can reach out to uh, Angela if they're interested in, in finding out more about pollinators, about bees, and about beekeeping. So, Angela, let folks know uh, how, how to find you in, <laughs> out there. I try not to be found, but on Facebook, <laughs> yeah. I have a page where I share my beekeeping adventures. Okay. It's called Wild Reekin Honey. Wild as wildflower, reeking because I'm proud of my heritage. Okay. Oregon. Ah, honey. gotcha. So that's why I'm on Facebook, wild reeking honey. Spell that out for us, please. W I L D, reeking, R I C A N. Right. And honey. All right. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, Angela has agreed to take questions off air when the show ends in uh, about six more minutes. So, um, I did have a couple of announcements. We're going to let Taj Mahal keep playing in the background. Uh, The James Museum of Western and Wildlife Art in downtown St. Pete will host Pulitzer Prize winning author Jack Davis. He will discuss the bald eagle's historical relationship with the American people. His book, The Bald Eagle, The Improbable Journey of an American Bird, uh, is, is his book, and his talk will be Included with museum admission, but space is limited. This takes place Saturday, September 30th at 2 p.m. Also, uh, the shuffle, and 
place near and dear to WMNF. Also in downtown Tampa, 2612 North Tampa Street, will be hosting a fundraising and adoption event with Mercyful, the Mercyful Project. And Haiti Kuna was a guest on Talking Animals uh, uh, near the beginning of the year. Uh, Mercyful and Latinas on the go. There will be swag, beer, as well as market vendors. And a portion of all the uh, day's proceeds will go to the Mercyful Project. And uh, in a bit uh, more, we're going to mention Dogtoberfest, which is coming up in Dunedin on November 11th. But right now, we're going to hear from Maria Bramford. Duncan has uh, several copies of her book available to uh, give as thank you gifts if you pledge on Talking Animals And we're going to hear a tiny clip from Maria Bramford right now. You can find out detailed information on TalkingAnimals.net, as well as his fabulous archive of previous guests. Trying to be a good person. Anybody here (laughs) using canvas bags instead of the plastics? You doing that? You're not doing that? I'm not even using bags anymore, man. Because I've learned to juggle. Yeah can only shop in groups of three, but that's, that's not stopping me. I, uh, I'm also, this is my last outfit. I'm no longer consuming. This is it. Uh, and uh, now I'm just going to borrow stuff. You going to use that money? And uh, I started, I, I, every morning I carry my clay jug on my head down to the 7-Eleven, fill that with Diet Coke, bring it back to the community well. I think that seems to be really disturbing people. I started taking the bus and uh, where are you right now? I'm on the bus. Oh my God. What happened to your car? It's fine, I just decided to take the bus. Do you need me to pick you up? No. No, I'm on the bus. Maria, are you okay? I don't know anymore. we heard from Maria Bramford that was being a good person and uh, a nice person just called about the Beewise Festival that will be taking place in Hernando County October 21st from 10 to 2 p.m. It's taking place in Spring Hill. You can find out more information, the exact address at the Beewise Pollinator Festival on Facebook. Thank thank you so much for mentioning that to us. And I uh, wanted to, uh, one more 
Ah, this is it. <laughs> Dogtoberfest, one of the uh, coolest things I've ever been involved in to help animals. It's a bike ride. It's a big festival. I know, Nancy, I'm going to put you on the spot. Big bike ride in uh, Dunedin, a level, multi-level uh Skill levels and endurance and levels growing right through there. Right, it's so and beautiful. Pretty, pretty much. Uh, I'd say the first, at least the first leg of the ride. If you sign up for the uh, twelve mile ride, totally on the Pinellas Trail, you only have to go about a block on a side street to get to the Pinellas Trail from the uh, uh, Highland park in Dunedin to get to the Pinellas Trail, but you do need to uh, register ahead of time. I'm sure they do walk-ups, but all the proceeds go to the Suncoast Animal League, and Rick Shabodi has been on Talking Animals many times. You can find his old, um, excuse me, his previous interviews on TalkingAnimals.net. I encourage you to check out Talking Animals. I encourage you to pledge for WMNF and for Talking Animals ahead of time. Duncan will be back next week asking you for money in person. And uh, grab Maria Bramford's book or some Aerosmith tickets. And right now we're going to leave you out with uh, something WMNF's got going on. This this weekend, it, I'm not going to play the promo. I'll just tell you the uh, WF Birthday Bash is coming up this weekend at the Floridian Friday night. You can join us for the iguanas. You're tuned to 88.5 WMNF Tampa. Here's some iguanas. You can call Miss Julie or Miss Cooley for tickets right now and go have a good, good old party Friday night in St. Pete. Y la orangutana, y la orangutana, y la orangutana.